Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, it's the Transform Sales Podcast, Amir Ryder. I got my guest, Amir Rubenstein with Amy.io. Did I pronounce it correctly? Exactly. I pronounced it uh, just right. How are you doing, man? Where, where are you today? I'm in the outskirts of beautiful Tel Aviv, Israel, and it's a so nice sunny day here. You're in the Holy Land. Well, Exactly close to the Holy Land. Well, I appreciate you taking time to, to be on the show. Um, you know, on this show, we like to talk about mistakes that buyers make when engaging with outsourced sales agencies. As you know, uh, revenue and generating pipeline is the one of the most important things for companies and it's getting harder and harder to make meetings. So the idea of this podcast is for listeners who sometimes are either sales agencies themselves or buyers who have bought agency services before had a good experience or a bad experience or people that are new, the idea is for them to just hear the real deal honesty about mistakes that they make during the buying and selling, uh, buying and, and working process that affect their performance, not mistakes that affect your ability to convert them as a customer, but things that are like, Ugh, I wish they said this or did that so that they can get what they want. Because I think um, we both know that there is not an agency owner in the world that wants to not perform for their clients, right? But before we get into that, for anybody listening, um, who are you and how did you get into this lovely business of outsourced sales agency work to begin with? What's the journey? Uh, so thank you. So I've been doing B2B sales and tech sales specifically for the past 15 years. Uh, and then my last gig was that one-man show at a small startup and I was working with an outsource company who were supposed to bring me meetings, but they were not good, doing a great job. They were bringing like two or three meetings a month. And uh, I started to, to try to work with them on that. But uh, when I started to work with them, I had this aha moment that I could do this better. I always loved the prospecting part, the outbound part, part of sales. I always like to hunt my own meat, as they say. And uh, especially I was always working at small startups with not a lot of marketing budget. So I really practice it myself and mastered it myself. And I really studied it, you know, the different type of messaging and emails and cold calls. Uh, my background is in telemarketing. That's why my first sales job was in telemarketing. So I was working a big calling center. So I was calling all day. So I was never shy of the phone. And I was starting to get frustrated with this outsourcing companies or other SDRs who are a little bit shy of the phone. And that's why I decided to start aiming along with my partner. Yale. So that's a, you know, it's a common theme that I hear where, where it's, 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 Essentially, you know, I, I got exposed to the, the business of sales early on. Uh, I got really good at it. I saw that other companies couldn't execute it and I decided to productize my skill sets and my services. Um, and that's, that's awesome, right? Because basically you're like, I'm a Marine. I, I, I became a sales Marine early on and then I decided to, to make a, a business out of it, which is great because a lot of people who are listening you know, oftentimes they're looking for these VPs of sales, these CROs, these high flying positions. And oftentimes th those people don't have the 15 years of working at a call center experience. You know, they, they kind of fail to understand that agency owners are part of your team and you're getting all that experience. Um, and oftentimes, you know, they don't know that, but I know that about you, right? So I know that, you know, you're hands-on with a lot of your customers personally um, and that you, you take part in the actual act of helping you your customers generate business, right? I think in the sales agency world, operations is sales, right? Um, so that's that's a that's an awesome intro. I I uh, I I've heard that 
a few times. So there's a common, a common denominator between all of us. I'm the same background, by the way. I, I, I got really good at sales, I think, right? I never give up. I got really good at rejection, if that makes sense. The byproduct is you're good at sales. Uh, and then wanted to help people too. So I, I'm familiar with that journey. Um, how long has Amy been around and how, how many years have you been helping people with outsourced sales um, to the state? So we started just before COVID started. So it was about January, February of 2020 when we actually started to prospect for ourselves. Me and my partner started to do cold calls and build the cadence for us and to start to prospect. I think we landed our first customer at the end of February, just about when, when COVID hit the world, basically. So we've been around for now. We're about to celebrate three years. Yeah. And, and your hundreds of employees, you guys are growing super fast. No. Uh, how many, how many, what's your headcount now? Yeah. So because... we're at about 120 people today and we expect it to grow this month to around 20 people more. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are. That, that, that's amazing. So over, over the years, what have you seen, what mistakes have you seen, uh, buyers make during the buying process? Um, that's just kind of repeating theme. Like, like, is there something that just stands out to you where it's like, over and over again, buyers are making the same mistake when looking for an agency. What what is that problem, if any, and, and what does that look like? So I think, and especially recently, I'm, I get that objection more. I get that question more during my sales process. And I guess it's because of maybe some bad experience uh, that some customers or buyers have as that they decide to go with or they would really try to be around success-based. And uh, I think that's a big mistake that buyers are doing because when you are trying to go with uh, success based only, or that's what you're focusing on because you're worried that maybe your agency wouldn't deliver, uh, then it just shows that you don't show trust in the, in the process. And second, you are jeopardizing quality. So, okay. So probably agencies would give you quantity, uh, but less focus on, on quality. And uh, they would also focus perhaps on customers that uh, will be willing to pay uh, based on their model and the way that they want to work. Yeah. And it's very, it's very rare that a, a buyer would say, you know, we had 10 meetings and we lost all that. We, we lost all 10 meetings because our messaging wasn't clear and we need to improve our sales process. Oftentimes they, they're, they fail to look in the mirror and they're like, there are bad meetings. Right. So like it, it, it creates this whole thing where they think, okay, I'm going to pay for meetings. And then now, instead of saying, okay, I didn't follow up 15 times, I didn't ask them the right questions, they'll mm -hmm. say the meetings weren't good, right? So it's like this negative feedback loop that I've seen, you know, quite a few times. So, yeah, so basically anybody listening, I think, you know, and it's, it's also perspective, right? At the end of the day, you know, can you hire an agency that's paid for meeting and, and can they do well? Sure, they can. Statistically speaking, does it happen? Not often. Actually, no, right? Um, we've also noticed transparently, Amir, that, that, uh, you know, I'll tell you that like over the time, cause we're not collecting all this data about agencies. We do notice that surprisingly the agencies that have 12 month contracts, some of them have four month outs tend to be the happiest customers. Do I think it's cause the contract? No, but I think it has something to do with the, the commitment that is, is given from the buyer. Right. Um, and we'll start releasing this data for buyers so that people can see the real deal. Uh, and anybody listening to, to, to what Amir is saying, like, if you want to pay for meeting, go to LinkedIn, go to Google and, and go to Facebook and, and, and run some digital ads, you pay for meeting. I bet you're right. I spent 17 K on LinkedIn ads last month and I got nothing. Um, exactly. the difference is that I don't go LinkedIn is a crook and they suck, you know, I, I, cause they're, they're big. Right. So it's, I think it's, so it's a tendency that like companies tend to 
because you're not LinkedIn or Google, if you don't perform now, you have to be hundred percent, you know, accountable, but when they give their money to the big companies, then they're like, oh, maybe our sales cycle is broken. Right. Which is just weird paradox. Um, mm -hmm. On top of just the overall urge to think that you're winning by asking for a paper meeting, what mistakes do buyers make when they actually, let's just say they come to you, they're, they're okay with your, your, your retainer, which I know is a very, very fair retainer amount. You guys are, 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 are you know, $2 signs on our pricing menu in our marketplace, which is not, not the, not the four, $4 signs. So you guys are not the most expensive. Um, customer says, great, you know, Amy, that you guys are, you guys are what we need. Everything makes sense. Talk to me about mistakes that buyers make now that they've selected an agency. Like what is, what is the most common mistake you see? And I know that we were talking before about this, about a mutual customer between us that is making one of those mistakes. Uh, not that you have to talk about them or that one, but what, what do you see? Like what's the most common thing? I think uh, one of the most common thing is that you are hiring an expert, you're hiring an agency, and then you dictate them on how to work. Uh, that's a common mistake that I see. A lot of our customers uh, trust us completely and they put the, their, their trust in us uh, to do the whole work, to write the playbook, the strategy, the tactics, and to manage the people. But a lot of them also want to be too much hands-on. And you mentioned also those CROs or VP sales that don't have uh, cold calling experience, don't have SDR experience, but they feel that they know how to give advice. I see that so many times. Also, that they give advices to RSDRs in the beginning or as, as we go along and they give them bad advices, that, again, just because they don't have the experience. So, again, you're hiring an expert. So let them do the work and, and trust them and trust the process. And uh, even though you're a big shot CRO or VP sales or maybe you're even a founder that thinks that you know how to do sales, uh, still... That there's a big difference between doing sales and doing SDR work. And if you haven't picked up the phone in your life, then don't give advice on how to do a cold call. Yeah, that makes sense. So anybody listening, right? If you're going to hire an agency for their expertise, right? And you're, it's, it's interesting you say what you're saying, because right, I think there's a balance where like there's, there's those buyers that are, are not involved enough. And then there's the buyers who are too involved, right? So, exactly. you know, it, you know, for me listening to what you're saying, it, it makes sense because, you know, if you don't trust the process, right. And you don't let the experts do what they can't do. And you're, you, you could very well steer a program into the zone of, uh, you're not happy. And, and as, as you mentioned, this typically happens during the beginning of the campaign, right? So if you're giving advice to, let's say an SDR, two, three SDRs that are hired through Amy, if you give advice to them during onboarding, and there's not, not that it's wrong, but it's not a high performing advice. Now you could have two, three months of low performance before you start listening to the advice. And by then you might already be unhappy. Exactly. And I think from, from the, from the, from the other side of that is uh, to be a little bit more passive aggressive. You're, you're, you're right on that as well. We also this type of customers that they, they don't communicate and they just like want to be okay. I'll put, my trust in them and I won't talk with them and I'll trust them a hundred percent and I won't communicate with them and won't give them feedback. Uh, and then two months down the line, uh, things are not doing as great as expected. Uh, what, what happened? So, so communication is super key. There's definitely needs to be a certain balance in between communication is super important. We want to get from our customers product knowledge and to learn about common questions and objections that we should uh, typically get. 
uh, but leave us the, the work on how to work the process, the cold calling, uh, building the sequence, building the messaging, and or, but work with us. Uh, so it, it is important to understand it is a joint work, uh, but there should be some sort of balance. How often do you find buyers that, that have those things created already? They already have the objection handling, they have a playbook. What percentage of buyers have a sales development playbook? Very rarely that I have uh, put a number on it. Five percent of the time, five percent, ten percent, maybe. And uh, and and some of them also when they want to bring their messaging in, I always say that you know what, if you have a killer email or a killer message that works on LinkedIn or a call script, again, none of them usually do cold calls where we fo we focus a lot on that. But if you have a killer message that brings you fifty uh, five meetings a day, then bring it to me and we'll use that. Otherwise. Just let me do the work. And when I say that, nobody shares with me their, their messaging because nobody has a killer message. Uh, yeah, to, to well, it's a paradox, them. right? Because at one time that you might say that, that a company that has all these things in, um, completed might not want, might not be looking for a sales agency, right? So it's like tend to see if you're going to hire a sales agency, it's most likely because you need a little bit of help with the messaging, the sequencing, you need that expertise, um, which makes total sense. So it's like, it, it, it's one of those things where if you're, you're if you're buying for those reasons, if you're buying, if you're like, hey, you know, when I work with Amy.io, I also get Amir's, you know, 10 plus years of call center experience included. And then you kind of cut that experience out, right? You're not actually really getting what you're paying for, right? You're not paying for activities. Um, could be if they're all lined up correctly, but you're paying for the expertise and the feedback to, to tweak those activities to get results, right? Uh, so that makes sense. And I, I think it's a good point you bring up where I think there's there's no right answer, but I think there should be some more education on on that go-to-market plan and, and, and onboarding and, and what's what's needed, right? Do you find that customers that like give you access to Slack and communicate in real time typically get better results than say customers that only work and communicate via email? Like do you, do you notice uh, any, any uptick or downtick based on a, a buyer's willingness to communicate in real time? Because I've definitely noticed that I can help people faster on WhatsApp in real time. What, what do you what do you see in that area? A hundred percent. We we always open a joint Slack channel. We want to join their channels or to open WhatsApp or whatever convenient to the customer to do a fast communication. Because if the 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 SDR team right now they have an urgent question, they have someone on the line or someone asks a question on LinkedIn or they have an email or anything, they they want the fast communication. Also, if there's a meeting coming up and, you know, there's, uh, you know, a probability it's going to be a no-show or we need a, a rapid response from the account executive, maybe so we really need to have that fast communication. So we don't even work in a, with companies that don't, you know, open, uh, open up the communication and just leave it by email. We don't do that. Yeah, it's too, it's too slow for a, uh, a real-time sport. Exactly. exactly. Right? This, is, this is not golf. It's, it's more like basketball than, than anything. Um, exactly. talk to me about, you know, and I know that I've worked with you guys already. I think, I think, you know, we're as a marketplace, we've been around for our pivots been around for a year and we've, we've been very fortunate to have, I think one mutual customer and I know what they are, but I don't want to steer this answer. Um, if you had to pick between software and services, and I know that you can help both because everybody can help both, which one would you pick and why? Software. Okay. Why? Yeah. Um, and you the, could say, the, I like it better. It doesn't, it doesn't have to well, be. 
the, the most honest answer, well, it's, it's the one that's where most of my experience is uh, because okay. I work for, for SaaS companies. Uh, you know, being in Israel, you know, we have a huge ecosystem for, for B2B SaaS companies. So that's where most of my experience is. Second, they, they typically get investments from VCs or, you know, they, 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 they roll on investors' money. So they're a little bit less stressed out about their marketing spend. So they're a little bit less stressed out uh, and, and giving that length or that patience uh, for the campaign to work rather than service company where typically they're bootstrapped, they're like us, you know, they, they, they build the business with their blood, sweat and tears and their own money. So they're a little bit more conscious on their budget and they're, they have that small business mindset compared to startups. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for anybody listening. Remember, it, 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 Amy handles both service and software. I'm, I'm, I'm asking direct questions here and, and, and it makes sense that, you, you know, with your background, right. You're, you, you gear towards software. I, I say the same thing too. So that's, that's my opinion as well. And then obviously the DNA of a business is different, right. Where, you know, companies that are software typically raise seed rounds, series A rounds, and actually have their investment planned with, you know, 18, 20 month paybacks. I think service companies, you tend to get the, you know, I have a sale, seven month sales cycle with a hundred thousand RACV, but if I don't get an ROI in five months, you're fired. And you're kind of just, how do you work with that? Right. We've all seen that before. Um, what about region? Is there any region in particular that you guys crush it? United States, EMEA. Uh, and I know that you guys obviously cover global, but what would be, if you had to pick one region to run a campaign, which would it be and why? So we, we have uh, our biggest success. That's because most of the companies we work with want to tar target North America and the U.S. Uh, in specific. Yeah. And then the email market and then globally. But yeah, like you, you mentioned, we do target uh, globally. Uh, so we had success uh, in all the regions, but that's where most of our people yeah, are. Yeah, so your, your headquarters is in Israel, and I think you have offices in maybe like Eastern Europe, right? So I think EMEA <laughs> is very easy for you to cover, but that answer makes sense. United States is one of the bigger markets, right? So I think... It's it's common for people to say United States is a is a premier market, which which makes a lot of sense. Um, so so if you're any preference with, and I I think you kind of answered that already with the software, but like bootstrap startup Series A publicly traded, what's your sweet spot? Do you, do you have a, that sweet spot? Like hey, five million. If you're trying to go from five to fifteen million, that's that's your what what is your what's the cream of the crop for you guys? The, the, the perfect uh, sweet spots for us is, uh, is the early stage startup. I think that's where we bring the most value because more established startups or more established companies, they might already have the infrastructure, the resources. Then, okay, that's great. We join, uh, we tag into, uh, tag along with the, their internal team. Yeah. And we join forces there. Now, that's great. We bring that value there that it's uh, easy, you know, quick ramp up time for their team. Uh, so that's good. And that's another value. But I think that our sweet spot and where we bring the most value is early stage startups, where we are the SDR function and they give us that liberty to build the SDR function. And I really like also when they learn from us and then uh, they build their own in-house team based on the, what they methodology they learn from us. And I like to, it's kind of like, you know, having my own students or, or, or companies that have grown now to, to have owned their own in-house team. And sometimes that's a reason they leave us, but that's fine. I respect that. And I like that. Again, it feels like job, I job well done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I, Mike, that's your passion, right? Your expertise is the creation, right? And and exactly. so like anybody listening, uh, you know, go to Amy for for obviously any campaign that you, you want, but United States software company, you're looking for the creativity, you're looking for a company that um, 
will actually act like part of your company, you know, and I, like I said before, I know that we have a mutual customer that has been working with you guys for close to a year now, which I know is way mm -hmm. above average, uh, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Like that's how we measure things, right? If people are continuously working, that means they're happy. So, um, you know, so far it's been a pleasure to work with you guys. I love the expertise that you, that you bring. Uh, you're super passionate about the industry. So it, it, it's cool hearing, you know, all the, all the brilliant people in this, in this community that we're building that are just helping companies grow almost the behind the scenes guys, right. In the sense that a lot of companies have these big internal teams, but people fail to, to remember the days where Amy.io was rolling up its sleeve to get dirty, to build up that infrastructure for a company, then go to from, from five to 20 million with its own internal team. Um, but either way, this has been awesome. I, I you, you froze on my side. I don't know if uh, you still hear me. But it's good timing because it's the end of the podcast. Well, guys, I think I, I think I lost a, a Rubens team with David.io. But the good news is uh, we got all the answers. And if you want to find him, you can easily find him on LinkedIn with uh, Amir Rubenstein, which is his name. You'll find the link when we broadcast this podcast below and in, in, in the comments section. And by going to Amy.io's website, uh, guys, appreciate you joining the Transform Sales Podcast. I hope you guys learned some common mistakes that buyers make when selecting and work, working with agencies so that you guys don't make these mistakes because mistakes are costly. And that's exactly what we want to solve for. Um, Amir, I just, did, I just did the goodbye for you. I told everybody where to find you on LinkedIn and on the website. It's okay. Don't worry. I, 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 it's, it's all good. So everybody, thank you for checking in the, the Transform Sales Podcast. Amir, you're the man. I appreciate you. Um, and we'll continue to help people buy outsourced sales services the right way. On the journey. It means prince. We're outsourced sales princes in our imaginary world that we built for ourselves. <laughs> All right. See you, man.